Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. All right, so we've arrived at the last week of our series of conversations that have been on the life and the story of Nehemiah. Now, this is a long weekend, so I know there's a bunch of people not in this room, so I want to say good morning to those who are with us wherever you are, whenever you're watching this. We're glad we're together, and we've been talking about rebuilding, right? We've been talking about rebuilding when life gets off track. We've been talking about rebuilding when life feels unstable and a little shaky. We've been talking about rebuilding when maybe sometimes life comes crashing down. And we're taking four weeks to talk about this because I think it's practical for all of us because this is not just Nehemiah's story, we're talking about your story, we're talking about my story, we're talking about the church because this is life. Like life brings ups and life brings downs. And how we respond when life brings its downs sets the course for I think our future. So what Nehemiah does is it kind of gives us a framework to think. It gives us a storyline, maybe a roadmap to follow in our life. And so as we're ending this, I want to make sure you have the big take-homes, take-homes from the first three weeks as we lay in this plane today, right? And so the first week was simply when, um, when our life feels like it's in a pile of rubble. I told you our first move is not one of action, but one of worship. Before we move to fix the problem, we need to connect with God because that is who we need to lead us through the rebuilding process. When life is in rubble, don't move to action, move to worship because we need God to work, walk through that with us. Now the second thing, we didn't talk about us, right? We talked about the church. We didn't talk about you and me, we talked about the church. And I told you, I believe that God has created One Hope Church to do more than just survive or exist. That he has a spiritual mission for us to accomplish. And in order for that to happen, we need to come together in unity for the mission and glory of God. That was the second week, second part of Nehemiah's story. Then last week was the last one, was whenever we say yes to Jesus, we will face physical and spiritual opposition. And when that happens, we need to bring those battles to God, we need to speak, speak truth of those battles, and we need to fight for each other. That's where we've been the first, it actually was five chapters of Nehemiah, and today we're going to chapter six of Nehemiah, and the building is about to be done. Like this rebuilding project is about to become complete. The walls that protected the, and surrounded the city and people of Jerusalem is about to be done. Nehemiah has worked hard. He's asked people to join in the project. He's faced both physical and spiritual opposition, and it's almost done. But his story isn't complete. And there's still something to learn from his story. So if you've got your Bibles today, you've got your phones today, you want to follow on the screen, let's go Nehemiah 6. If you don't have a Bible in your seats in front of you right there, feel free always to grab that Bible, take it home with you. We'll place another one there for next week. But Nehemiah chapter 6, can I read it today as we're not done learning from Nehemiah's story. He says, now, when it was reported to Sambalah and to Tobiah and to Geshem and the Arab and the rest of our enemies that I had built the wall and that there were no gap left in it. 
Though up to the time, I had not set the doors and the gates. So at the beginning of the story, what did it look like? A pile of rubble. Everything's destroyed. And they're looking around. Do you remember the first chapter? He's like walking around going, oh my goodness, this is a mess. Not anymore. The wall has been built up. There's no gaps in it. So Sambla and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. If you remember last week, we talked about Sambla and Tobiah. Now Geshem's a new one in this, but they're like, hey, come and talk to us. We've got something we want to talk to you about. But Nehemiah says, but they, in, they intend to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? They sent me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambla, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter. Now, this is important. The open letter is going to mean something as we move forward, okay? An open letter in his hand. And in it was written. It's reported among the nations, and, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That's why you're building the wall, and according to this report, you wish to become their king. You've also set up prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you, there's a king in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king according to these words. So come, therefore, let us confer together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done. You're inventing them out of your own mind. For they all want to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. One day I went into the house of Shemaiah, son of Deleah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined in his house. And he said, let us together, meet together in the house of God within the temple. And let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, tonight they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away? Would a man like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived and saw that God had not sent him at all, but he had pronounced a prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalai had hired him. He was hired for this purpose, to intimidate me and make me sin by acting in this way so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember, Tobiah and Sambalai, oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was completed in the 25th of Elul in 52 days. The wall is done. The first six chapters from the calling of God to the completion, it is now done. This is a big moment in his life. And I got a question for you. I got a question for you as you read this. When was the last time you thought or felt like you were doing a great work? Hear me. When was the last time you felt or thought like you were doing a great work? Has there ever been a time in your life when you can say, I am doing a great work? See, we're in the fourth week talking about Nehemiah. We're talking about his life and his story, and we're talking about his life and his story because an incredible thing has been done through his life and in his life with God. And we're talking about this story, and the reason I, I picked it out for now is because I'm hoping his story invite, or inspires your story. 
What I'm hoping is, as we've read through this, as you've heard me talk about it, that his story inspires your story because you know you have a story, right? Do you know you have a story? Every one of us has a story. Now, when Amber and I were younger and the kids were younger, before bed, we would always um, um, grab one of the kids and we would come into the room and we would begin to read them books, right? We'd get in the, the rocking chair or the slider or whatever and we'd grab a book and we'd ring, read story after story. But can I tell you something? I don't remember a lot of the stories. I was talking about it to Amber last night. She's like, you don't remember? No. Like, when you say it, maybe I will, but like, I don't remember a lot of the stories. I'm just not really good at that. But there is a story that sticks out to me. The story that pops in, and it's a story called Farmer Dillo. Anybody know Farmer Dillo? Anybody know Farmer? Farmer Dillo made his way into the Moore house. Farmer Dillo was a Armadillo is a farmer. We get that, right? Farmer Dillo. And, and I don't know why I remember Farmer Dillo. Was it the storyline? Was it, the, was it the, the way that it was drawn? I have no idea. But I remember Farmer Dillo. Sometimes stories just do that to us. Sometimes stories, you don't know why always, but they just grab a hold of you. And so I remember that story we read to our kids. And for some reason... The story of Nehemiah is one that I just can't ever shake. It just, his story inspires me. And I don't always know why, but I do think there, I do point to maybe one reason why I think his story matters so much to me is because of one line that's really famous. One line that we already read, it's just one of the most meaningful lines, I think, for all the scripture for me. Because it's in this line that it sums up the life and story of Nehemiah. And I would love for this line that he says to be something that would be said about my life. Be said about my story when the days come to an end. It's in chapter 6, obviously, verse 3. This is what he says. You remember? The messengers had come. I mean, yeah, they'd come inviting him. And this is his response. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? You know that line, right? You heard that line before? I'm doing great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come to you? I love this line in his story. I love this mindset in his story. I love it because Nehemiah believes so much in what he is doing. In these famous words, Nehemiah gives great insight to what his mindset was through this whole project. In these famous words, I think Nehemiah gives us a picture of what we must think like and live out when we give our life to God and then say, whatever you want to do with my life is okay. In these famous words, I think we realize something about Nehemiah, that he knew something about his life that we should know. And that's that Nehemiah knew he was created and called by God for a great work of God. 
When I see Nehemiah's words, I'm like, bro, you know who you are. You know you were created and called by God for a great work of God. These past several weeks, we've gone through the journey of what it took to rebuild the wall. And I do not believe that Nehemiah would have been able to do this rebuild. Nehemiah would not have been able to complete the project. Nehemiah wouldn't have been able to get to chapter 6 where we see the wall is built if he didn't know that he was created and called by God for a great work of God. Which leads us to where I want to land today. Where I want to land this series, what I want you to take home, which I want you to wrestle with. And I said it last week as I ended really quickly, but today I want to lean into it. And it's simply this. You and I are no different than Nehemiah. If we can't see that Nehemiah is a regular person used by God, then we are going to miss a powerful lesson, a powerful takeaway from his story. Because just as much as I said Nehemiah was created and called by God for a great work of God, you are created by God, called by God for a great work of God. Now, if you've been part of One Hope Church the past several years, how many times have you heard me say something like this? How many examples have I showed you in scriptures if you've been around? How many times you've been told this, but you still don't believe this to be true about your life? How many more times will it take for it to be said to you before you own, before you embrace, before you live in this reality? That Nehemiah is a person created by God on purpose for God. That he was creating the image of God for God's purposes here on earth. That his life mattered and was part of what God was trying to do on this earth. God designed Nehemiah's life and his life story is very important. But the same can be said for you. Your life matters. Your life matters to God and for the purposes of God on this earth. You have a story and the world needs you to live in your God-designed story. You have a story and the world needs you to live that out every single day. I've said it. I've said it again, and I've said it again. And the end of Nehemiah's story says it again, I believe. The problem is, if this is true, if what I'm saying is true, then why don't we often feel or think we experienced a great work through our lives? If this is true, then why is Nehemiah's life and his mindset so different than ours. If this is true, if what I'm saying over and over and over, sometimes a broken record, if it's true, then why do we see people like Nehemiah, who I believe is a regular person just used by God, how come we see his life lived a certain way and our lives are either lived another way or, or we feel like we aren't the same? 
I'm thinking about this and I'm like, I, I think this is what I'm supposed to share today. I think there's potential three reasons for this happen. For this happens is because we don't think we are worthy. Because we don't say yes. Or maybe it's because we don't stay focused. No, why was a great work done through Nehemiah, but not is always felt or seen through our lives? Th- three reasons. We, we don't feel worthy. We don't say yes. Or maybe it's we don't stay focused. I want to talk about those three things. I want to see if there's something that God wants to push, cause you to be challenged, to maybe pull you to a next level of your life, maybe use Nehemiah's life to inspire something more. So I want to talk about those, those three things. You don't think you are worthy. You don't think you're worthy. You know why I circle back to this concept so often? I think one of the greatest tragedies in someone's life is they never find their purpose and why they're put on this earth. I think there's something deep inside of all of us that we want to know why we're on this earth and we spend years searching for it. We search all kinds of ways, but hear me on this, in that search, our life begins to fall apart sometimes. In the process of trying to find it, how many people have you seen that their life has has fallen apart? And for many, we never arrive at the answer. I think for some... This happens because deep down, we don't really believe that we are worthy of our life accomplishing a great work. For some of you right now, you have moved on in this conversation because you're like, I've heard it before, but you don't believe it deep down. For some of you, this message doesn't matter because you've settled something in your life that I'm not even worthy for something like that. So what happens is we look all around for something to quench this thirst inside of us, but because we don't own or believe we're worthy of it, two things happen. Two things happen. You don't ask God that your life would be used for a great work. When we don't think we're worthy, why would we ask God to do a great work? a waste of time. Things of God are for more talented people, for smarter people, for more special people, just that's not for me. And we may not say this out loud, but underneath everything can there be a belief that your life just isn't that important for God to do a great work. So why even ask? So here's the question. When was the last time you asked God to do a great work through your life? Ask yourself that. When was the last time you asked God, you literally asked God to do a great work through your life? But maybe it's not that. Maybe you don't feel worthy, but you still ask God. But the problem is, after you've asked God, 
you don't see what you're already doing as being a great work. So maybe you don't feel worthy, so you're not even going to ask God, but some of you don't feel worthy, and you're like, God, but I really want it to be. And so then your life is lived out, but you're like, what I'm doing is not a great work. When we don't see ourselves as worthy, then what you're doing is probably isn't that significant in your mind. There's got to be something more to life because this doesn't seem that important. And so I want to make something clear to you today. You and I don't get to define what's important and not important. I want to say something to your life. You don't get to define, I don't get to define what a great work is and what a great work isn't. When you give your life to Jesus, he's the only one that can define this is a great work and this isn't a great work. You don't get to define of what you are doing through your life is a great work. And maybe right now, hear me, Maybe what you're doing right now is exactly what God has for you in this moment of your life. And maybe it's in this moment where you think you're not worthy of a great work, so what you think you're doing is not a great work, that maybe we should own that we all have different wirings, we have different talents, we have different passions, we have different something that God has given us, and maybe God has you exactly where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do. And maybe you should stop thinking what you're doing is not important. Instead, you begin to thank God for what he's doing in and through your life. I think Nehemiah knew exactly who he was, and so whatever God had for him is exactly what he wanted. And so I want to say something this morning, that you are worthy And if you can't look up at me right now, it's because, is that because you don't think you're worthy? Does the enemy have you in a place, a posture of just head down, I do not think I am worthy? You're worthy. And now, maybe believe God will or already is doing an exact work in your life. And so we need to change our mindset from it can't do a great work to God, I'll do my best in whatever you ask me to do. And maybe you'll live out what Colossians says in chapter 3, where it says, whatever you do, work it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord. Many of us don't experience a great work because we don't think we're worthy of a great work, but maybe for you that's not actually the problem. Maybe you don't struggle with insecurity, but instead you're missing out because the second thing I said is that you don't say yes. Going back to Nehemiah's life, if you were part of the earlier conversations, did it ever seem like he was on the fence of saying yes? Did it ever seem like he may or may not do what God has called him to do? Well, how about you? If you're honest with yourself for a second, have you ever said no when you know you're supposed to say yes? Is there any chance you're sitting in a no right now when you're supposed to say, be saying yes? And are you saying no because you don't want to leave what you already have? It may not be everything you want, but it's better than maybe what you think will come. So you say no, you don't say yes, but maybe that mindset's your problem because when you have that mindset, you settle for less. And when we settle for less, we often don't get to see what God's design story is for our lives. We never know what our yes will lead to. 
Nehemiah did not exactly know the end of the story. But his yes led him to be used by God in a great work that changed his lives and other people's lives. I think some of us have missed out on great works because we don't say yes to God. And maybe you're still waiting for the great work invitation and the invitation has been sitting there the whole time and you've got to say yes. I believe that God has a great work for every one of us. That's the baseline of this. We just may have a different belief, but I think every person in this room, every person that I'm speaking to online is that I have a baseline belief that God has a great work for every one of us. But sometimes we miss it because we don't think we're worthy of a great work, and other times we miss it because we don't say yes to the great work. But maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not it. Maybe you miss it because you don't stay focused. See, I love this one because for some of us, the first two don't connect with us because you're not an insecure person. You're, in, you're secure. You are a yes person, but you aren't experiencing maybe what you hope for in life. You aren't experiencing what you think is a great work. You don't understand why things won't come together. And that's where Nehemiah 6 may be very powerful for you. Because you know when the enemy can't make you feel insecure about yourself, when he can't make you slow to say yes to God, then sometimes he will just try to get the great work to be missed by just distracting you. Sometimes it's not just blatant things. Sometimes it's just distractions. Do you see all the distractions that Nehemiah had to go through in chapter 6? Do you see the first one? There was a distraction of opportunity. Distraction of opportunity. Do you see the guys come and they're like, hey, come down and talk to me. We've got something to talk about. Maybe there's something we can do. And Nehemiah's up there going, I have to discern, is this going to be better or lesser than what I'm already doing? What they're offering me, should I come down and engage with that? Or is what I'm doing greater? He had to have the discernment, but I have a question for you. Any chance would you have come down? Would you have come down to check out if there was something better? Another opportunity? Is there any chance that you might live? The first two things don't make sense to you, but this one, the focus thing's an issue because you may live what I call like a pin, pinball kind of life. You're bouncing around whatever opportunities right in front of you and you're going all over the place. You don't have goals, you don't have divi uh, visions, you don't have priorities, you just chase after one thing after another. And you know what happens to that kind of person? Is when everything's a priority or every opportunity is a priority, then nothing's a priority. And what I think Nehemiah allows us to see is that at some point, we have to choose what matters most and stop pinballing around every opportunity. Because here's what I've learned about people that are focused, and Nehemiah was one of them, is that people who are focused say no to lesser things in life. And people who aren't focused chase every random opportunity that comes their way. Maybe you're not seeing a great work through your life because don't, you don't ever see something to the end. You don't have focus. 
But I look at Nehemiah's life and he's like, no, I'm not coming down. There's great work going on and I am going to stay focused. So he had a distraction of opportunity, but he's like, no. But the second thing I saw is he had a distraction of drama. Anybody ever has some distraction of drama in your life? You got some drama? You see what he tried to do is like gossip and criticism he had. And I said, later, I said earlier that this open letter was going to matter. Do you know what's happening here? Typically when a letter was sent, it would be sealed or it would be tied together so you would know, hey, no one else read it, right? But the words were very specific. There's an open letter. What's happened is, is the letter's being delivered, but this person sees it and this person sees it and then this person sees it. What happens is, People read it and read it and read it. And did you see what he's written in it? There are rumors he's trying to start that Nehemiah is doing this just so that he can become king. Nehemiah is doing this just because they're going to rebel. Nehemiah is doing this because of all these things. And, and so they write this letter because they're trying to start some drama. And the question was, was he going to come down to put out the drama, to put out the little fires? Was he going to stop the work he was doing because of all this mess? When you've had this in your life, you know what drama does to you, right? It takes all your energy. It takes all your emotional energy and takes you away from what you're supposed to be focused on. So how do you handle your drama? How do you handle the little fires? Do you chase everything around or do you what Nehemiah does? And he's like, no. His word, none of this is true. You're making it up in your own head. I'm not coming down because I'm focused on a great work. You can save your drama for somebody else. Maybe those things don't get you, and the third thing gets you is a distraction of fear. When we are afraid, we are less courageous to chase the story that God has for our life. When we're consumed by fear, we, we just, we won't run after something because we're not sure how it'll work out. We're not sure what people will say. We're not sure just what the end, you fill in the blank of what the outcome will be. And Nehemiah has a chance to be afraid, to stop, go hide in perspective and protect himself. But this, what he says is probably my second favorite line in Nehemiah. Something that just, it inspires me. He says, should a man like me run away? Would a man like me go into the temple to save his life? No, I'm not going in. Fear didn't own Nehemiah. He's like, what I think he says, a man like me, someone who trusts completely in God, who knows he's been created and called by God. Would a man like me do that? No. I'm not going to be owned by fear. He was owned by the calling of God in his life. I'm not coming down, I'm staying focused even when fear is an option. Listen, we're ending today, and I just, I love the story of Nehemiah. And at the end of this series, as we walk away, my one hope for this is that it just inspires your life in your story, that your story needs to be lived out in the world. I said earlier, your story matters to God for what God is doing in this earth, but some of us, we never live out in our story. We never live out why we were created. We never live out. We, we never see the end of the mission. We never see it completed. Because because maybe we don't think we're worthy. Because maybe we just don't say yes. Because 
Maybe we just can't stay focused, but what if we turned and we said, God, I don't feel worthy, but you've said I'm worthy. God, I'm sorry that I've been a no person when I should always be a yes person. And God, that I want to stay focused on what you have for me, no matter what distractions come. My prayer would be that we would be available people for the great work that God wants to do through your life. The question is, are you available? My hope for us is that we don't settle. I don't care how old or young you are. A great work is not dictated by who you are or your circumstances. A great work is depicted or or dictated by who God is and what he wants to do through your life. So can I just say this morning, can we just stop settling for less? Can we stop settling by not believing in who God created you to be? Can we stop settling with, with our nose? Can we stop settling by just chasing after things or being distracted? Can we stop saying no and say, God, will you do a great work through my life? I'm available for anything that you have for me. And that's where I want to end this series today, and we're going to end in worship And all I want is for us to walk out of this place and say, I don't know what the great work God has for me, but I believe there is one, no matter where I am in life. He has something for me in this moment. Can I pray for that? And we just end in worship today. God, God, you know how sick and tired I am of people not understanding who they are in you. How broken I am for people not understanding who they are in you. That God, you have this great work that you've created us for, you've called us to. But God, that we just settle for less. We settle because, God, we just don't see ourselves the way you see us. We settle for less because we just say no because we don't know what the yes will lead us to. And God, we just settle because we just chase everything and we don't stay focused. God, I just pray that we'd be people that would look at the life of Nehemiah and say, I, God, I don't know where you want to take me, but I want to do a great work too because I have a story just like him. And so God, help us be available to that today. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.